And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Ultimately, I'm going to keep saying it, get 1% better every day, just get a little bit better every day. Hey, welcome back. Thank you for listening. I'm Stephen Holder here with Zach Kiefer, and we're back for another episode of 1% Better. Now, last week we had a very interesting guest, Naheem Hines, who we love around here. He's definitely good for Uh, a few memorable quotes. Uh, This week, we have another guest. And this guy is actually the reason the podcast is named 1% Better, frankly. We stole it from him. So, (laughs) Zach, the one and only, tell the listeners who we got this week. Got the head coach, Frank Reich. Thanks for joining us, Frank. I know you just got off the practice field, and it feels like it's July in Westfield right now. But, you know, we were just talking about, about this off the air just different this time of year to have the guys in the building for a couple of weeks and actually get some spring workouts in because for the casual fan, they might not know how important these couple of weeks are, but they're really important leading up to that mini camp in June. There's no question. It's important. I think everyone feels it. I think the players and coaches both feel it. Um, I think it's been incredibly productive. As you said, Zach, the last couple of years has just been, it's not been normal. And this feels so good and so needed and uh, to really get us on on track and going over some basic stuff that I think is going to help make us better. Yeah. So before we kind of we'll, we'll get into a little football specific stuff here, but um, I was just wondering, maybe just really starting really broadly here. One of the things that I, I think you take a lot of pride in is is really, you know, sort of communicating with players and, and that kind of thing. Um, and I'm wondering what you've learned now over, you know, what this is going to be year five, I think, for you. What have you learned about that aspect of the job, just relating to players? You know, there, there's such a big difference in age. You know, there's difference in interest, all of that. Um, how have you managed to become good at that? And, and what have you learned about it? I think what makes it work is, right, any communication, any relationship has to be a two-way street. So, um I think we got the kind of players who are, who are a they're they're good they're they're great men you know and it's it's fun to get to know them it's 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 I'd, I'd learn I'd learn from them um, you know naturally as a coach you you want to do some mentoring and teaching but what I find is you know this game you know keeps you young it keeps you sharp um, I like the collaboration. You know, as coaches and as the head coach, we're certainly providing leadership and direction. But at this level, you're working with grown men. And so we're, we're, it keeps it fresh. You know, we get new, the roster turns over every year. Um, It's a very dynamic thing. Um, And it's very important. There's a coach that, you know, there's a lot of people say this, but, um, you know, there's the saying, you know, coach the man first, you know, coach the man first. And that's just a philosophy that we really believe around here. And because I, we just don't think you can separate the man from the player. And so that, that's just the approach that we're going to take. 
Frank, you took the job in 18 and you said right away that you wanted your offense to be multiple. And we've learned over the years kind of what that looks like, right? I mean, you want your receivers to know every position and you're going to lean on the line. And I wonder, when did your offensive philosophy first take root? I'm sure you've pulled from from Buffalo, from your days with Peyton, from Philadelphia. But like, how did that take shape and how has it changed over the years? Because the game has changed as well. Well, you know, it's funny, Zach, when you started to say that, I, I was starting to chuckle because when you said that you wanted your offense to be multiple, I thought the next word out of your mouth was going to be, did you mean multiple quarterbacks? You know, we had no idea. We had no idea. <laughs> but that actually, that actually, Zach and Steven, is probably where a lot of that philosophy continues to grow. You work with different players. And you realize the necessity to be multiple. And so I think there's two things you do. You know, you want to put your players in the, posi- in the best position and do what they do best. So um, and then you learn and grow from them along the way. Um, and then they learn and grow from you and what we're doing. So that that's really what we've tried to do. Um, and here's the other here's the other spot it comes from. It, it comes from, as you guys know, you hear us say this. You hear Chris and I say this all the time. Like we believe in our players. Well, what does that mean? Well, that means that we don't just think we got a couple star players. Like we want to get the, we want to spread the ball around. Um, we think there's an advantage to be multiple. We think there's an advantage to be able to spread it around. Sure, we want to get it to JT as often as we can. Sure, we're going to target Pittman more, probably more than anybody else. But that doesn't mean that there's not room to to be multiple and to spread the ball around. Right. Um taking a, a step back and not just making it about right now, but just over the course of your entire tenure here, is there something that you can identify that you're the most proud of? And then conversely, is there something that you see as maybe your biggest regret if there's one? Oh man, I'm bad at these questions. <laughs> I'm bad at these questions. That's, that's that why we come. ask them. Well, no, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. I think they're going to make you work. Great, I think it's a great question. Um, you know, I tend to be so you, you tend as coaches to try to be so in the moment, you know, yeah. but um, and, and things that you've done in the past, you know, that you just hey, it's over and you're moving on. And and same thing with re, with regrets and mistakes, you know, you're moving on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I guess, you know, when you look at the four years at some level, you know, we I think we are, you know, Chris, as Chris and I in the leadership talk here. I think we are really uh, thankful is, you know, I, I don't want to say proud, like, hey, we did it because this is something that a lot of people did together. But like the culture that we have here, like, I really believe in it. Like, I really do believe it's it's uh, unique and special. I, I know there's a lot of places that have good culture, but um, I think we have a lot of the right stuff. And and I really think that we've gotten some, you know, some very positive results from that. We've had some good football teams. We've you know, in the four years here, I someone told me, I don't know what it is off the top of my head. I heard this a couple of months ago, but in the, if you look at how many games we've won in the last four years compared to around the league, it's 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 not bad. It's it's not where we want to be, but you know I think it's, it's top ten. Yeah, I think it's yeah, I think it's that's what I remembered somebody saying. So um, so we're doing something right, but we're just not satisfied. It's just not like you want more. Top ten's not good enough. You know, we're paid to win championships. So um I feel like every one of these teams 
and the steps that we've taken and the culture that has been created here has put us and afforded us the position that even though that we failed and that we didn't reach where we want to go, that we still can feel like we're heading in the right direction and building. And then conversely, Stephen, you know, just to get the other side of that, like, you know, biggest regret is that one's going to be easy for me. It's the end of last year, you know, mm-hmm. end of last year. I've just not experienced that before. You know, um, I've had, you know, you know, we've lost big games. I've been a part of losing big games, you know, as a quarterback and as a coordinator and as a head coach. But uh, the way last year, and then obviously in my role as head coach, um, you know, and I know we can talk about a lot of reasons of why things happened the way they did. But, um, you know, that that's something that as we've stated over and over again, it's, it's never going to leave you. It's never going to leave me. You know, like, I, like I'll always remember that um, and hopefully be stronger and better because of it. Frank, your predecessor, Chuck Pagano, said something interesting after he left. He said, when you're a head coach, you earn your paycheck because there's so many things that come across your desk. It's not just coaching football. And obviously you want to pour your time into the offense and the quarterback and all that. But if you look back to 2018 and if you could talk to yourself now as a fifth year head coach to a rookie head coach and say, there's going to be some curveballs, man. Like what the, what would the advice be to that Frank Reich when you were standing at that podium at Lucas oil and taking over a team, you know, that was coming off a four and 12 season. Yeah, that's a great question because that that's what like we asked that question to the players, you know, like what would you imagine yourself when you get later, you know, what would you tell your rookie self? So uh, I really like that question. Um, you know, I, I think I would I I think I would tell myself well, not I think I would tell myself, you know, to just continue to have deep conviction about what we believe. And don't waver from it. Um, you you can never, it's hard to imagine how hard it feels in the moments when things seem like they're going bad. You know, the, the pressure from and the noise from the outside world. Um, you know, we all do, a, I think we do a pretty good job of trying to block a lot of it out. But this is 2022. You can't block it out. You know, you hear the noise. And so, um, you know, as a, as a head coach and as a team, how do we minimize that? How do I minimize that for me? How do we minimize that as a team? Is that hard? Is that hard to block them with Instagram and all the social media and the players are so young now? It is hard. We talked about this the other day in our meeting, you know, like, um, listen, we got to be realistic, you know, we got to be, so what is it going to look like? And and we got to somehow find a way to make that a competitive advantage for us. What does that mean? Everybody turn on, everybody turns off their social media. That's not real. That's not going to happen. So you've got to find ways outside of that to try to minimize distractions at some level. And that's what I would tell them, you know, how, how do you keep guys focused? How do you minimize those distractions? That That's a 24 seven job for the head coach. Yeah. One day I'm going to find Frank's secret Twitter account. I'm sure. <laughs> no it's, comments it's, from it's him. called like always go for it on fourth down or something like that. Right. <laughs> That's got to be it. It's, or is, the handle is five quarterbacks or something. Right. Um, hey, uh, now, OK, let's lighten the mood a little bit. So um, I know you're a reader. Um, you, you love to read. Are you reading anything right now? And uh, if so, tell us about it. 
Well, I just uh, I just started rereading. I just started rereading, um, you know, the book uh, Legacy, right, um, by James Kerr. You know, uh, what the All Blacks can teach us about the business of life, right? That you know that uh, I read this book when it came out. You know, in this rugby, and I literally just read the first chapter the other day. Um, you know, this rugby team, you know, wore, the, wore these all black jerseys. And um, I read it a long time ago and I just pulled it out on my bookshelf the other day and and read it. So, you know, and what it was all about. Have you read? Have you guys read this book? I have not. OK, it sounds like a it's really all about team. It's really all about team, the importance of team. That That's it's about leadership. But like um, like the first chapter talks about here, the star players after the game. You know, everybody going out, so they're cleaning out the locker room. You know, they're they're picking up the trash. You know, it's just the mentality of team first stuff, little things like that that has where they've let, left this legacy. Um, pretty inter- pretty interesting read. Are you mostly? Like- uh, well, I was just going to follow up. Are, are you mostly a fiction or nonfiction guy? Um, I'm both mostly a nonfiction guy. Yeah. 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 Did you read that book, Frank, a couple years ago on Emil Zatopek? I don't remember what country he was from. The that what a crazy life. Yeah. And you spoke to the team about that, I think. Yes. And then actually Andrew Luck went out and the, the typical Andrew, he went out and the cop, he was over in Czechoslovakia and found a, an original or some kind of uh, old copy of the book when he was over there and brought it. And so kind of cool. Of, of course he did. Of course. Of course. Shocking thing I've learned today. <laughs> That's great. Um, so you had Matt Ryan talk to the team, I think this week, last week, and, um, he just sounds like a guy that has just made a, a, what could have been a difficult transition pretty smooth. He just seems like he's walked in and slowly started to earn the respect of his teammates. Why'd you have him talk? And and what was sort of the message? I heard it was, you know, Bobby said today it was team first. Yeah. So every year, as you guys know, we do a, what we call a foundation inspection, um, you know, four years ago, at the very first team meeting, we said we're going to build this program on three on a foundation of three values, trust, toughness and team. And so every year in April, we go back and I try to find a creative and new way to refocus on those same things. So this year I thought, hey, let me what can, what can I do that would be different? And I thought, well, let's ask a guy like Matt Ryan, who's been 14 years MVP of the league, been to a Super Bowl his perspective on those three T's. I didn't tell him what to say. I told him what our values were, trust, toughness, and team. And I said, would you be willing to talk to the team about what those mean to you and what you've learned about those things over your 14 years? He did a phenomenal, I mean, it was off the charts, phenomenal. Hmm. But not surprising at all, actually. <laughs> he um, he seems like a great leader and just what you need, maybe. Um, now. In your division, you, you've had your, you know, past with Jacksonville, and now <laughs> an old friend of yours, Doug Peterson, um, has taken over down there. I know you guys are close. Uh, what, uh, if anything, uh, do you think that'll be like? Um, just you know, does it does it impact your relationship when when you kind of have a, a, a friend of yours coaching a rival, and just you know, what do you make of all that? Yeah, we're super close. It, it yeah, it does affect the relationship, not in a bad way as far as uh, any ill feelings, because uh, the relationship is very close. But you know, we're, we're competitors, so during the season, there will probably be very little conversation. You know, um, whereas in the past, we could always 
talk about ideas or what you're seeing around the league. And um, those conversations are over, right? <laughs> so, but I love Doug, I, you know, uh, obviously make that battle even harder because he's a great coach. And, you know, I know he put together a really good staff, including getting Cress Taylor as his offensive coordinator, who we think a lot of here. So um, happy for happy for Coach Peterson. He's a great coach and a great person. You mentioned your old quarterback a couple of minutes ago, and, and I know you guys are close, you and Andrew, to this day, even though he's done playing football. Um, and, and when that happened in 19, you just roll with Jacoby and you go. And I think that's kind of what you guys had to do. But was there ever a moment after that year or in the next couple of years where it's like, gosh, this guy's 30, 31. He could he could be really killing it right now in his prime. And I know that's not necessarily the way you think. But did it ever get to you at some point, like what could have been, you know, that one, you had one year. Did you ever think about what it looked like with two or three or four years with Andrew? Well, yeah. I mean, I'd like to say that I'd never thought about that. (laughs) (laughs) There we go. There we go. But but you're a human being. (laughs) I'm a human being. Um, So yeah, those, you know, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not uh, absorbed with those thoughts, but those Thoughts, you know, like you said, I mean, yeah, he was very good player, but he is at such a good spot right now. That, that's what I'm so excited about for him and Nicole. And like he is truly embracing this next stage of his life. And and uh, I'm really happy for him. And, you know, and he really and you see that it was real, like everything that he said to us in that transition, it was all real and everything he was feeling and. Um, and he's really stayed true to that. So um, that's that's the journey that everybody had. That's what makes life and so interesting, sports so interesting. Every now, you know, I played with another guy, Barry Sanders, who who walked, you know, Barry, he walked off. He walked off at a time where he was in his prime. Um, so you got to respect that. And, and certainly, but as you said, stay close to Andrew and still talk to him and um, really happy for, you know, the, where he's headed in his life. You know, I, I know you played quarterback, obviously, so you're very familiar with the you know eyes being on you and the pressure associated with that. Same thing as a coach, right? I mean, you're you're the you're the face of every win and loss, right? Uh, you're the guy that has to get up there and explain it. Um, do you feel any pressure uh, going into this year? You just you know we just talked about last year being the, the end of last year being just you know really a devastating end. Uh, is there any? unusual pressure coming off of that do you feel as a head coach yeah yeah absolutely there's i mean i don't know pressure i feel the sense of the the sense of urgency to win now you know mm-hmm. uh, you know after last year happened but like i said I, it's not because of the way last year ended it, it it ended the way it ended and and i'm confident and uh you know i can't change that i wouldn't change that at this point you know, I can't change what happened. I wouldn't change it. Um, I think it's positioned us as a team. I think it's made me better. I think it's made our team better. There are certain things about us as a team right now that would not be true um, had it ended differently. So um, I'm excited about that. And sure, is there a pressure to win? Yeah, well, wow. I, you know, when everyone says we've got a great roster, we've added this. And then naturally there's pressure to win. That's the way it should be. That's what you sign up for it. And you know, we all know, uh, we all know what you have to do and we all know what happens if you don't do what you're supposed to do. You know, what, what things come into question, you know, jobs, this is the NFL, your job security is day to day. 
when you sign up as a head coach, you know that, you embrace that, you welcome that. Last thing from me, Frank, I'll give you two options. Give me your best story about either working with Peyton Manning, who I heard was as tough on position coaches, or Philip Rivers, who you worked with as an OCN as, as a head coach. But two characters, that's for sure. Wow, two, yeah, two great characters, um, two, two great players. Um, you know, Peyton has such respect. Uh, th this isn't a funny story, but this just the, the tradition, the respect that Peyton has for the game. You know, I remember I came here as an intern and oh, I came here as a volunteer, then as an intern. And then I was, you know, and I was shoved off in the corner somewhere in the building. And then Peyton kind of had this own quarterback room and he was going to give up that room to allow it to be an office uh, that I could actually have an office to to be the uh, the quality control assistant quarterback coach, whatever. And, wow. and I remember that, you know, we kind of had a little ceremony, you know, put a little ribbon up and had a little <laughs> ceremony, like welcoming, welcoming me to the NFL as a, not now you're a real coach, you know, you're not just, but I appreciated that about Peyton, you know, like he had such a high regard for the game, you know, the, and the respect for the game and a respect for the coaching profession and the process and uh, the further along I get into it now, the more I see uh, how important that is. Frank has a much bigger office now, by the way, listeners. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's funny, though. You, started, okay. you didn't even have an office when you started, and now you're that's right. crazy. Mm. Well, Frank, I know you got to run. If you have time, I got one quick one, and uh, you can do whatever you want with this. But look, uh, you already admitted to being a human being. So using that premise, I know that uh, you and Chris Ballard have, have probably had moments where you don't see eye to eye, right? Like, you know, brothers and sisters or whatever, any relationship. Um, can you think of one? I don't, if you may not want to share it, but if you don't want to share it, tell us how you guys get past that. There haven't been many, but there have okay. been some. And, you know, the way you get past it is just the mutual respect and it makes it easy, you know. And I think that one thing that Chris and I know is that uh, I, ha I have complete belief and confidence in Chris as a person and as a teammate, as a team player. And I believe Chris feels the same. And so um, we we joke about it. There's times when I, you know, when I say, oh, yeah, I knew, I knew, uh, you know, I knew I, I stepped over line when I said that or, or vice versa. And, uh, you know, I think we just know that when it comes to those moments and there haven't been many, like, all right, let's work our way through it. Let's get apart. And then about an hour later, we're going to be good. But um, there have actually been very few of those. That's what's really good philosophically um, as far as this team is concerned and how we see the game and how we believe in the process very similarly aligned. So it really is like a marriage. You go to your room, he goes to his office, and <laughs> you guys work it out later. If you're getting along all the time, something's probably wrong. That's right. That's right. And, and it is like a marriage. There's no doubt. In fact, you know, my, my wife's, and I'm sure, I'm sure Chris's wife says the same thing. I spend more time with Chris than I spend with my wife. So, <laughs> except Linda's always right. So you know, just to be <laughs> <True>. clear. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll let you run. We know you got things to do. We can't thank you enough, Frank, for this. And, um, we, you know, like I said, um, we always appreciate the time. You're the best. And uh, we'll do it again sometime. Appreciate it. I appreciate it, guys. Thanks so much. Thanks, Frank. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. And so many, many thanks to Frank Reich for that. Uh, we appreciate his time. We know it's valuable. And I thought some really good stuff there. You know, he, he's always thoughtful. And that's what I like about Frank. You may not like his answers, even on, you know, tougher subjects. And, and we'll get into those during the season. But but he's always thoughtful. And I think gives you a relatively honest answer. Maybe he'd be evasive at times. But look, I, I think if you're a fan of the Colts or any team, what you want is you, you want some honesty from the coach. I think you generally get that from Frank. So I think you can get some insight into how he thinks, whether you agree or Mm -hmm. disagree. And there are times certainly that we disagree with some calls or whatever, but I think at least the coach explains his point of view, which is a fan, which is, you know, which is what you want. Yeah. I mean, because he's transparent, you kind of always know where he stands on these things. And I think that is something, whether you agree or disagree, at least, you know, and you understand the thought process. So that's important. Anyway, so let's move on to what's going to matter more than anything, which is the games this fall. <laughs> there are going to be 17 of them, and we now know the order of those games. The schedule release came out last week, so we hadn't uh, been with you since that. So we figured we'd touch on that briefly here. Uh, so, Zach, I have one burning question right off the top. Will the Colts finally win a season opener? They have not won one since 2013. I'll go one better for you. Do they win at Jacksonville in week two? Which well, I'm getting to that. Twenty fourteen. Yes, <laughs> one, ca- yes, one catastrophe at a time. One catastrophe at a time. Okay. Because I cannot imagine <laughs> the alternative. This is a great. I, this was a great but, schedule wait, wait, wait. for the Colts. Wait first. To, for those who just maybe don't know offhand, I mean, they're playing at Houston in the season opener. 
at the Houston Texans. They beat them last season by a combined score of, I think, 62 to 3. So, continue, Zach. Sorry. <laughs> so, um, perfect spot to end your eight year losing streak in, in week one, I think. Um, you know, I can, you can make a case for a lot of games they could lose. You can't make a case for this one. You cannot. There's no excuse. Go down there and win and win convincingly in this week one nonsense. And then I really like that Jacksonville is week two. It's at Jacksonville. That's the big one as opposed to Jacksonville coming to Indy. We all know the backstory. We all know what happened in January, January 9th. We all know how mad Jim Mercy was as he left that stadium and the moves that were going to happen as a result of that game. So I like that it's not going to linger. It's not going to be in November or December. I think that it's really good. The Colts are just going to simply go down to Jacksonville and face off with their demons, for lack of a better phrase. <laughs> um, I don't want to say there's a pretty good chance they're 2-0 because I've covered this team long enough to know better. But um, it's shaping up for a really fun Week 3 game against the Chiefs. I mean, they should be 2-0. That we can say. But it has nothing to do with whether it actually happens. So on that, I agree with you. I just love this stat so or this fact, so I'm going to repeat it like I always do on this podcast. The last time the Colts won a season opener, it was against the Raiders, and Terrell Pryor was the quarterback, which that I think is hilarious. <laughs> I wonder how many people even remember Terrell Pryor played quarterback, <laughs> like in the NFL, not not in college. So I just think that's a really fun fact or funny. And the the week two thing in Jacksonville, I yeah I um, look the, it's funny. If that streak now is almost as long as the losing streak in Jacksonville is almost as long. As the season opening, winning or losing yeah. streak, I should say. A lot of twists and Why don't you just kill statement. both? Just kill both in a two-week span. Just get on with it, you know? Yeah. Move on. Turn the yeah. page. It would be nice because, I mean, look, we, I'm tired of talking about this. I don't want to keep doing this. They certainly don't want to keep doing this. And and Jim Irsay might, like, literally blow a gasket. I mean, I don't know what happens if they get like, – if it's an ugly loss at Jacksonville somehow. <laughs> I can't picture it, but, like – but just say worst case scenario, would he come down from the luxury box? He might. Anything's on the table. He Anything. might. And, and Naheem Hines is right. We had him on last week. He is right. Jacksonville's a tough matchup for the Colts. I don't exactly know why. Maybe the athletic defenders. But even when they come to Indy and lose, which they have the last couple of years, it's still a tight game for the Colts. Remember in 2020, True. the Colts had to win to get into the playoffs in week 17. And they needed that Taylor run in the fourth quarter to seal it. And then last year's game was tight for most of the way before they put it away. So yep. whatever it is about these games against the Jaguars, it's never easy for the Colts. Other teams have no problem rolling the Jags. The Colts, no no chance at that. They just they just never seem to have an easy, easy cakewalk with the Jaguars. I would argue it's the weirdest rivalry in the entire NFL. Like, why the hell is this a rivalry? <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> But it is. You can't argue that it's not. You cannot argue that it's not. Okay. I don't care if the Jaguars are two and fifteen like they were last year, right? And they're and, and about, we we sat with Bauer in the draft room the other day. They're going to be better. Like they've had yeah. some. They've added when you draft in the top five every year. You add good pieces every year. They're going to be better coached, which isn't saying much because they were coached by Urban Meyer last year. But they're going to be better this year. So yeah. um, not like the Colts can overlook them. Obviously, they cannot because they haven't won there in almost a decade. But um, boom, you know, at Houston, at Jacksonville, we'll see what they're made of. But you, you, no matter what, you can't drop the opener. Yeah. And, and then I'll just wrap it up by saying this. 
a two and zero start is such a game changer, or would be such a game changer for this team because they have consistently had to overcome these terrible starts. And I, I think think about what the results of the last few seasons could have been had they had better starts. They would have been completely yeah. different, and the conversation around this team would be completely different. Their biggest problems have been at the outset of the season, and this sets up as well as any season ever could for them right out of the gate. So I don't want to hear it. I don't. If we're talking about two and three to start this season, then damn it, they did something wrong. Uh, so real quick, let's touch on this. I, I think weeks three through five, talking about two and three, I guess this is how it would happen, <laughs> theoretically. They've got Kansas City at home here, uh, home for Tennessee, and then at the Broncos. That's a really tough stretch. I think that's the toughest stretch of the season. Uh, what Do you think that's where we'll know what they are? Yeah, I do, which is why it's really important, like what you just said, to get off to a fast start. Frank Reich has talked a lot about how mentally exhausting it is to climb from the hole they dig for themselves, right? So they start one and four last year. They lose that heartbreaker in Baltimore. And then just to get back to nine and six, which they were after Christmas Day, Frank said it, it was mentally exhausting. And I understand that. We we covered this team in oh, 2018 yeah. when they did the same thing and kind of hit the wall in Kansas City in the playoffs. That season went further because they got better quarterback play. But but this time around, you got KC in week three. Now, I think KC steps back a little bit. I do think without Hill, they're not the same team. But they're still going to be Kansas City, and they still got Patrick Mahomes. And then I love the week four game. Ten- Tennessee's coming. We know what Jim Irsay thinks of Tennessee. They're the two-time defending AFC champs. He ripped into his coaches last year after the Titans swept the Colts. This is a big game for Tennessee. You think Jacksonville is a big game for Irsay. I think it's Tennessee, and I like that the Colts get him at home. And, and let's just, you know, let's say the Colts are healthy. you got to win that game. You cannot lose division games at home. That's what's gotten them in trouble the last couple of years. And then... Denver is going to be a lot of fun on a Thursday night national TV game. Colts tend to play well on Thursday night games, and and they're a different team. Like they're completely different now with Russell Wilson at quarterback. That's going to be a fun one. Possible playoff matchup if I'm getting too far ahead of myself, but um, that that's a that's a stretch, man. That's a that's a three week stretch where you're going to see three teams that could be going to the Super Bowl for the AFC. Yeah, I think the schedule makers knew what they were doing there. They they said, okay, we're going to throw you a bone. In week weeks one and two, and you're going to pay for it on the back end. So that's what that is. But I do like that they get Kansas City and Tennessee in Indianapolis at Lucas Oil, the home opener against Kansas City. I mean, that place is going to be absolutely vibrating. Okay, yeah, it's going to be crazy. And we've had a couple of games like this in recent years. You know, where there's a lot of buildup. If they're two and zero, and say Kansas City's two and zero, I mean that is going to be one of the biggest home openers we've seen in a long time here. So, it, it'll have Jim Nance, Tony Romo. It'll oh yeah. have a big game feel early in September, which is a lot of fun. Yeah, so uh, I think I think that's going to have a lot of potential for a huge early season game that uh, that gets the prime slot on you know television and all that. So uh, let's transition real quick before we get out of here. Uh, we did have our first look at the rookie class over the weekend. And as Zach said, we spent a little time on Friday afternoon with Chris Ballard in the draft room. We do this sort of draft debrief every year and he, he cues up some film of the rookies and and kind of gives us some insight into to what they saw and, and how they scouted them and what they learned. So that's always revealing uh, between Friday and Saturday, Zach, what was maybe your biggest takeaway? 
I think the thing you want to see is you want to see the college tape and then you want to see it transition over to the pros. And, mm-hmm. and let's be clear, like they're playing against rookies this weekend. It's, it's rookies on rookies. Matt Ryan's not out there in Gakwe, Buckner. They're not out there. You can't but even name one of the quarterbacks who were out there, can you? I can. He went to Notre Dame, Jack Cohn. Only oh, because fuck. he was better than the other ones. We won't name the other ones because some <laughs> of them right. struggled. Anyhow, but here's, here's where it starts for me. It starts with two toe-tap touchdowns from Alec Pierce. Exactly what he did at Cincinnati. And you wrote about this in your observations. Like the dude just goes up there and gets the ball like it's a rebound in basketball. And that's what he said. But the body control is evident. It's obvious. And he's able to move his body to get it in bounds, to tap his toes. I mean, he's he's beaten rookie corners and undrafted guys. I get that. Let's let's be clear. But he did that twice, and and you can just tell he's going to be a fun player. He's going to be a fun player, and it's exactly what he did on the tape that we watched with Chris Ballard. So it's going to be fun to watch Alec Pearson camp. He's going to have some things to clean up. He needs to worry about you know Ballard talked about getting off his brakes a little bit cleaner and and getting out of that press coverage. He's going to see it a lot more consistently in the NFL and a lot it's gonna be a lot tougher to get off that press coverage to get into your route but Alec Pierce man like did not disappoint me this weekend at all yeah he looked the part and I love that I think that's that's what you want to see it's all you can really do in rookie camp right I mean yeah. you, you can't win rookie of the year in rookie camp because no one cares but you got to go out there and establish yourself it might even breed a little bit of confidence you know i mean it's got to be some nerves the first time you're out there and you know the coaches are watching you the general managers managers out there there's pressure on you when you're the top pick there's no question about that and he shook that off and he went out there and basically dunked all over these guys to continue the basketball metaphor Uh, my big takeaway was similar i just thought for one thing this team is going to be first team all bus okay (laughs) and by that i mean when they get off the bus, okay, when they pull up to the stadium and get off the bus, this team is Super Bowl caliber in that regard, okay, because they are huge. Big dudes. <laughs> they are huge. I have no idea how good they're going to be, but if that means anything at all, they have that going for them. Uh, so watching Jelani Woods out there and and Ogletree, uh, you know, the the second tight end they they picked, uh, you're talking about 6'7", six, 6'5", Pierce, I think, plays way bigger than 6'3", way bigger. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, and and I think you're seeing, really, I mean, I, I called it, you know, an above-the-rim style of, of football out there. Now, you know, they had big guys last year, and they have had big guys on this team, so it doesn't guarantee you anything, but I but I think they're doubling down on that. And I, and I think with the, the accuracy of Matt Ryan, he will be able to tap into that. I really do think he will. Uh, Michael Pittman, I think, has already established that you know he can win a majority of jump balls out there. Not that that's a a plan of attack, a consistent plan of attack, but when it comes to that, if it's a fifty fifty ball, I trust the Colts guys to go get them over the other. Yeah, guys. I think I think Pierce is going to do that. I think they're going to yeah. run those fade routes and throw it to him. And I think I think against smaller corners, that's a matchup you like. And I think that's something he does really well. And his bas- I mean, it's really fascinating because we hear. Both Ballard and the scouts talk about their background. You can see the volleyball, basketball background in Pierce. You can see yeah. it on the football field. And fans are going to really like that, the ones that come out to Westfield and watch practice in, in August. Yeah. So anyway, so that's that's a little bit of a flavor of what we saw out there. And I, I just think that you can see the Colts' emphasis in, in actual uh, reality when you look at their players. When you look at them on the field and you see – 
the way they move and the way they play, you can see exactly what they said about them. And that's the thing. I mean, I think that's all you can really do right now is say, okay, I see what they saw. And then we'll see what happens in uh, August and September when it really matters. So that's it for now, I guess. And, you know, we'll see what, what the what the next few weeks bring there should be some otas maybe some practices we get to watch i think so yeah uh, maybe we'll, we'll get some more insight so hey thanks for listening guys uh we appreciate you i'm steven holder with zach Kiefer. thanks for listening as always this is one percent better